Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is sponsored by TBR, Tailored Book Recommendations. Is your favorite book lover hard to shop for? Give the gift of TBR for Valentine's Day. Book Riot subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Choose from plans that allow your loved one to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or year-long subscription, and sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will handpick recommendations just for them, and there are options for every budget. Visit mytbr.co slash gift to sign up today and give your Valentine their own personal book concierge. And if you have time to shop at the last minute, TBR can be delivered to your booze inbox on whatever day you schedule it for. That's mytbr.co forward slash G-I-F-T. Welcome to Hey YA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations. Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Erica Azafetti, and Tears of Price. We're recording this episode on January 27th, 2022. So Tirza, how are you? <gasps> Hello! <laughs> great, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, gearing up for this um, snowstorm. Oh, boy. So much fun. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of fun. Our area, well, we do get snowstorms. I know you probably get it worse, but. Yeah, Iowa has not had like a ton of snow this winter, but it's been very cold here. And we've had a couple like. Our city calls them snow events because everybody just freaks out. And so (laughs) I'm like, all right, we're having a snow event. Everybody buckle down. A snow event. (laughs) Right? Clear your calendar for the snow Uh, event. But I'm from Michigan, so I'm just kind of like, that's cute, you know, that you think this is going to be like a major event. Like we're used to lake effect snow and it's we get dumped on in Michigan. So I'm kind of like, yeah. It's all right this year. Did you say effect snow? Like special effects, like from a movie? What did you say? I'm sorry. <laughs> lake effect snow. So. Oh, lake effects. Okay. Yeah. So if, if anybody doesn't know, because of, like, if you live on the western side of Michigan, um, because of the way weather patterns are and, like, there's like really cold fronts that sweep down from the Canadian Rockies and mm. then they come across and that water or the air goes across Lake Michigan. And Lake Michigan is such a big body of water that it like pulls all the moisture from the lake and then it like dumps snow right on the western edge of Michigan. And so I used to live in the snow belt and we would just get tons and tons of lake effect snow. So it's like, you know, many, many inches more per year than other areas without large bodies of water, which is, you know, fun. But yeah, I'm like immune to, you know, people being like, oh, we're gonna get three inches. And I'm like, ooh, (laughs) whoop-de-doo. Yeah, it's so funny. I have a friend who's from Detroit. She lives in Baltimore now. But I remember one time we were walking. She was like, oh, it's cold. And I was like, aren't you from Detroit? And she was like, yeah, that's true. We do bark at snow. Her words. (laughs) We bark at the cold. So what you just said reminds me of that. (laughs) Yes, we are hardy stock, us Michiganders. Yes. Yes. Ooh. Uh, Well, I'm really excited today to talk about the ALA Youth Media Awards. That's going to be fun. Yes. That was such a great idea that you gave. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's always a big event, mm-hmm. um, and I love tuning in and watching. But before we get into that, I wanted to take a quick moment to shout out to some listeners. Sophia and Morgan both wrote into us with recommendations um, because in the last episode together, we had talked about looking for like really good books on um, like consent and mm. healthy relationships. And let's see, they recommended Doing It by Hannah Witten. Um, which is apparently a new nonfiction book that I have, I think it's on the newer end. I have not picked it up yet, but I did not know it existed. So I'm excited to check that out. And then also a quick and easy guide to consent, which is a part of like the little pocketbook size quick and easy guides. I have not picked up a quick and easy guide to consent, but I do have a quick and easy guide to pronouns. And then another one called Wait What? A Comic Book Guide to Relationships, Bodies, and Growing Up. I think that's like slightly on the younger end, but like all of these sound like really great books. And I'm not sure if that was like exactly what you were looking for when you were talking about this topic last episode, but seems like some good starting points. Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely have not picked these up, but I saw their recommendations and I think they are really good. It sounds like... Yeah, I'm seeing that the um, the quick and easy guide, it does seem a little younger, but I've seen some books even younger that deal with consent. And I think they're all, you know, needed and necessary. So yeah, I I think these books that, that were recommended are a super good start. Um, I'd even like to go over them with you one day, maybe as well as some other books on consent. I'm definitely going to pick them up. I would also like to see some books on like familial relationships, platonic relationships, but these sound really good. So I'm really grateful that they mentioned them and I'm excited to get into them. One that I have seen that's for an even younger crowd is called um, Ladybug Hug. And that talks about, it's a picture book that talks about consent and like how the ladybug doesn't want to hug anyone and that's okay. And I, um, it's a little young for, you know, a YA podcast, but I think that's another good one to consider. And I definitely think, I think that'll be an interesting episode if we decide to have it. Um, but these books yeah. are a great start. So thank you so much to Sophia and Morgan for writing those suggestions into us. Yes. Thanks for writing to us. That was exciting. Um, it's always exciting to hear from listeners. For sure. For sure. So yes, this week... We're going to talk about the Youth Media Awards because it's very exciting. And I almost every year watch the award ceremony, which is live streamed. You know, it's been live streamed for everybody the last two years because of COVID. But uh, normally it's held at ALA's midwinter conference. And, you know, they do it in person. It's like this big, you know, reception room, ballroom. And then they do live stream it for people who can't be at the conference and I don't know, it's just so exciting. It it was really fun to get up early this year and watch the live stream on YouTube and then like just kind of participate in the chat because there are authors, there are librarians, like everybody's just like so happy and excited. And yeah, they're fun. It I sounds mean, fun. It's kind of like, it's like the Oscars of kids. I was about to say, <laughs> the Oscars for YA and, and children's books. Yes. So... I, I don't know how, like, tuned into the awards you usually are. Do you usually follow the award winners? I follow them. I feel like I followed the more major ones. Like, major. I feel like that's yeah. not even... I feel like I don't know if I like my cho- choice of words on that. No, but I know what you mean. Yeah, the more <laughs> popular ones I know of. But, and I see, I've seen clips before. I, I've never watched it completely through, but the way you describe it makes me want to get in on that. Like the whole, just like, like you said, kind of like an Oscars, like a whole event where you're, yeah. you know, tuned in for the duration of it and excited to, you know, see who wins in real time. Yeah, it's it's fun. I like the camaraderie of, mm. you know, the, the chats and people are getting all excited on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really fun. And... I mean, especially this last couple of years, because everybody's been tuning in online because they're not having these conferences and these announcements in person. So it's just like another way of feeling connected. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. And I feel I wonder, too, if maybe do you feel like since everything went virtual that like more people are able to participate or more like wanting to participate more because they have they have kind of better access to it? Um. 
Yeah, I don't know, like, what the difference is in, like, numbers, because I think that, like, a lot of people do tune in, because even when they would announce him in person, they would also do, like, a concurrent live stream. The concurrent live stream was not always, like, maybe the smoothest of experiences, because I think probably, I mean, I've never been to, like, an in-person announcement, um, but they're probably the focus is on that ceremony. But at least with, you know, having COVID, and everybody being on the live stream, like they've they really set it up nicely this year. So, you know, they were queuing and going to different people on their video calls. And then they had like the slides up and they had um, the great captions. So it, it was really accessible. And I think that like a lot of librarians and teachers tune in to watch it. Um, so I don't know. It was just really fun. <laughs> It sounds fun, and I'm definitely going to get in on that in real time, yes. not after the fact, uh, <laughs> next year. Like, I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it always does kind of sneak up on you, and depending on um, – it used to be, like, depending on where midwinter was, it, like, sometimes it would be, like, really early in the morning for West Coast or, like, more mid-morning for East Coast. But I think the last couple of years it's been, like, more during, like, a central morning time. Um, so that's kind of convenient as well. Why do they? That's interesting. They do it at different times. Well, because they've always announced them in person, so it's wherever oh, right. that makes sense. Yeah, wherever the the conference is that year. So, but yeah, it's always like a Monday, Monday or Tuesday morning. I think Monday morning usually. So definitely recommend it if it's something that you can mm-hmm. fit into your schedule. Um, I always have a lot of fun with it and. Yeah, so we're going to talk a bit about the winners and, like, the the awards that, like, you probably have heard of. And then we're also going to dig into some of the other awards that don't get nearly as much airtime. Mm-hmm. So you had asked me before we started recording, um, like, how the awards are chosen. And I think that this might be, like, for some of the people listening who are, like, in the library world, this might be like news to you not news to you so you can like fast forward but for those of you who are listening and who don't understand like how this is differentiated from the national book awards these awards are administered by the american library association and each award has a committee and that committee is made up of librarians um whether they're you know public school librarians or like public librarians private school librarians, like you just have to be a part of the American Library Association in order to sit on a committee. The committees usually have to be very tight-lipped about what they're reading and what they're discussing. Like, for example, if you sit on like a Prince committee or a Newberry committee, like you're kind of contractually bound to not publicly talk about any books in that age category publicly. And if you do, then you could be removed from the committee just because it's considered, you know, possibly showing favoritism towards a certain book or a certain author. So that is something that would be very hard for me personally, because I love talking about books. <laughs> yes. um, and then so the committee members, you know, I'm, I've never sat on a committee. So I don't know, like the nitty gritty. I have a couple of friends who've sat on committees. So sometimes oh, nice. I've heard about the experience from them after the fact. Yeah. But I've never sat on one myself. Mm-hmm. And so I can't tell you the inner workings of how they choose the books and all that. But they they choose the finalists and they choose the winner and they don't announce finalists ahead of time except for the Morris Award. The Morris Award does announce their finalists ahead of time. So you kind of find out who all the winners and the honors are on the day of the announcement. And then they call the authors of the winners and the honors, usually like the weekend or the night before. So the authors know, for the most part, when the announcements are happening. And so like, that's why if you're on Twitter and you see all these comments on Twitter from authors about like, looking for a phone call the you know the weekend before this announcement like that's what this is all about mm-hmm. because that's when the committees usually call and inform people so yeah it's just it's really cool i enjoy kind of watching this process from the outside but then this year i was fortunate enough to like have a lot of people that i know and like fellow authors that were in my debut group or people that i'm friends with nice. get honors and awards so it's just kind of always really fun to cheer them on So that's kind of like the quick and dirty of how the awards are chosen. Yes, that is super helpful, I think, because there are also there are so many awards. So I think it's great to just it's just a great like foundational, you know, bit of context. Yes. 
I love that they have like this anticipation and it's very like mysterious, like right up into the moment. So adds to the fun right. of it, all of it, <laughs> the drama, you know. Yeah, and I think that's why you have like all these wild speculations mm-hmm. of like, what do you think is going to be, you know, a contender? Exactly. You just you don't even have finalists until the day that everything's announced. Yes, it's very dramatic. I'm here for that ALA. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm here good for job. all of that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get into talking about that. But first, um, we're going to hear from our first sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Sourcebooks. Um, Me and white supremacy has reached so many adults in their journeys to become better ancestors. This edition aims to teach young readers how to explore and understand racism and white supremacy and how they can do their part to help change the world. Covering such topics as white privilege, white fragility, racist stereotypes, cultural appropriation, and more, Layla Syed has developed a brilliant introduction and deep dive into what is sure to become a standard in anti-racist education. The Me and White Supremacy Young Readers Edition teaches teens and preteens how to dismantle the privilege within themselves and others so they can stop themselves and others from inflicting damage on people of color and in turn help other white people to do better. Author Layla Sad meticulously updated the content for young readers to include definitions and history of various topics covered, let's break it down sections to help readers process complex topics, and questions at the end of each chapter to reflect, recap, and respond. As opposed to the adult version of this book, the Young Readers Edition is not a 28-day challenge, so the work can be done in the reader's time frame. The content is approachable for those with and without white privilege. So thank you so much to Sourcebooks and Me and White Supremacy, the Young Readers Edition, for sponsoring this podcast. That's an important book. <laughs> it is. That's a good one. Yes. And she's a great author to follow on Instagram, too. For sure. All right. So... I feel like we have to start with a big one, the one that most people have probably heard of, which is the Prince Award, which is given to the YA books that are considered like the best of the best of YA in any given year. And I had a prediction for this one, Mm. and I was... A little off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I definitely thought last night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe, which won the National Book Award, was probably going to win it. And it turns out it was an honor book. But the winner was actually Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully, which, I mean, is another incredible book. So, I mean, I also expected that one to probably be on the honor list as well. So that wasn't a huge surprise to me. Yeah, I was telling you before we started recording that I am a horrible YA podcast host, as I have not read either of these books. So, I mean, I kind of thought last night at the Telegraph Club would win just because how how much I know of it, even having not finished it myself. I did hear a lot about Firekeeper's Daughter, but I thought just overall, I kind of thought last night at the Telegraph Club would win as well. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's rare when a YA debut wins the award. Like, it's certainly Mm. not unheard of. That has happened before in the past. But, uh, I mean, I think John Corey Whaley's debut won. John Green's debut won. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's not, like I said, it's, it's not unheard of. It just, it surprised me because I definitely thought it would be an honor. But really, if it's down between those two books for me, like, I'm so happy yeah. that, that all of the, the both getting honored. And especially Firekeeper's Daughter is such an important book. And we don't really have a ton of um, indigenous YA. Mm-hmm. So it's so awesome to see a book like that just get so much wonderful coverage and celebration. And I recommend reading it. I did the audiobook and the audiobook was excellent. Yeah, I, again, I'm slacking. So (laughs) as I've mentioned, like, throughout several episodes, I, you know, was not reading YA as much before, but have, you know, started reading it a lot more now. Um, But in that, I've also been reading some backlisted YA. So I've not read all of the, um, you know, like 2021 releases and stuff like that. But I do see that the other books that were honored books or, like, finalists, basically, Revolution in Our Time, which is about the Black Panthers, Starfish, Last Night at the Telegraph Club, as we mentioned, and Concrete Rose. And I have to say that I feel like all of these books are 
you know, very necessary. And I love that for, you know, such a big award within YA that these books are covering these types of things. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. No, I just think it's great to see Kekla's revolution in our time mm-hmm. on this list. Um, especially, like, sometimes nonfiction, I feel like, gets relegated to the nonfiction award That's list. true. So it's so great to see this book being honored. And I have not read Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas yet, but I've heard from multiple people that they thought it was really excellent. One that surprised me a little bit, not because it's not great, but because of the age level, is Starfish by Lisa Phipps. Because if you like look at the age category ratings on that book, they say ages 10 to 13. Yeah, And I know 13 is technically teen, but it definitely felt like more like an upper middle grade book to me. So that's a book that I would have expected to see on the Newberry list and not the Prince Award winner list. But I've definitely see like maybe this is part of the trend because everything sad is untrue, which won the Prince Award last year was more of like skewing younger. So we're getting more younger books on the Prince Award list, which I know a lot of people have different feelings about, but mm. I'm sure I'm like, sometimes I just would love to be a fly on the wall yeah. in these committee meetings when they're talking about the winners. Not that I like, doubt them in any way, because this is like an impossible job, but like, I would love to know people's reasonings. And I think that they're really great, but it's so difficult because you have different people with different reading perspectives like, how do you decide what's the best? Like, that sounds like a horrible job to yeah. me. Because I'm like, I'm, it's so hard. Like, how do you do it? Um, but they're all really great books. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know if it was you. I feel like you mentioned before how sometimes YA, especially now that like more adults are reading YA, that it's it's kind of skewing older these yeah. days. So maybe that's their attempt to kind of try to balance it and include the younger way. Although it yeah. does seem it does seem middle school, like even looking at the cover Loki kind of like, gives you younger, yeah. you know, vibes. I've only ever seen that book in the middle grade section mm-hmm. of bookstores oh, wow. or in the juvenile section of libraries. So that's why it surprised me. But not that I'm not I'm not saying it doesn't deserve an award because I've heard nothing but amazing things about the book. So yeah, um, it's probably you're probably right. It might be like a reaction with the pendulum kind of swinging back the other way. But I don't know. It's so difficult to decide on these books. I would totally be like Oprah, like you get a you prince, get a and you get a prince, <laughs> <laughs> and you get a prince for sure. <laughs> yes, and then talking about it in the weeks leading up to the to the day. <laughs> Right. I'd be like, let me just tell you about all the amazing All the books. things that we've been talking about in the meetings and they're like, Tara's a no. Hush. Oh, I know. I'd be a terrible judge for any literary award. I mean, I'd be great because I have lots of opinions, but I would be terrible because I have a hard time keeping those opinions to myself. Right. I actually think you would do a pretty good job, jokes oh. aside. But, well, thank you. you know, just, just, you know, in case anybody's listening, you know, Tara's is here. You know what I mean? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> So, yes. So that's the Prince Award. It's always exciting to see what comes up with that. But then, yeah, we wanted to talk about, too, some of the other awards. And obviously, we're not going to, like, hit on every single one of them because some of them, you know, don't award YA. So Mm -hmm. we're just going to kind of go through and really focus on the YA winners. But the Coretta Scott King Awards, and I I do say awards because she's got like an entire umbrella of awards, which is really awesome. And those mostly honor like books for younger readers and picture books. But the Coretta Scott King, John Steptoe, New Talent Author Award um, this year went to Me Moth by Amber McBride, which so is good. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was also National Book Award finalist. Mm-hmm. So um, excited to see that. I have not read it yet, but I put my reserve in at the library. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw that it won this award as well because I was like, all right, got to go get it. Yeah, it's it's a, a novel in verse. I actually covered it um, a few weeks ago when I was doing YA novels in verse. And it's so pretty. And it's I think the the topic is just so interesting. It's like a, there's a road trip. It's in verse. It's talking about Black American history, Indigenous American history. So just just a little just a little blurb for those of you who are interested. Yeah, and the cover's pretty. So just an aside. Yes, 
So, okay, another really great award is the Schneider Family Book Award. So the Schneider Family Book Award is for books that, quote, embody an artistic expression of the disability experience, end quote, um, which is a great award. And Mm -hmm. there was a winner this year and an honor book. And the winner was Words in My Hands, written and illustrated by Asphyxia, and then The Honor was A Face for Picasso, Coming of Age with Cousin Syndrome, written by April Henley. I haven't read either of those books, but I think that, you know, focusing and highlighting books that really do a great job of sharing the disability experience is really important. And I know, like, at Book Riot, we've really, like, in the last couple of years, been seeing a lot of great writers yeah. um, within Book Riot promoting books that do a great job of representing the disability experience. So that's that's exciting. I have not read those, though. I haven't either, but I am excited to see all the disability representation. And I would love, and listeners, I'm sure you'll let me know if there are already some books that exist like this. But as we, as you were reading the information about our sponsor, the sponsor book was talking about, like, you know, having a guide to for white allies and, you know, people to help them understand how to combat racism and stuff. I would love a book, the YA book, that helps people advocate for disabled people. And, you know, just like showing us what we can do as able-bodied people to help further that cause. I think that would be great. But these books sound amazing and they are definitely on the TBR, (laughs) (laughs) so to say the least. So I'm super excited to read them. Yeah, I don't know of any like book off the top of my head without mm-hmm. like having to go dig through and look some things up that's like about teaching advocacy or or like guiding that yeah. for teens, but I do know that there's a young readers edition of Disability Visibility coming out. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think we discussed that. I think maybe Kelly discussed that a few months ago. That sounds really good. I if that's like For those of you who are unfamiliar, it's like a collection of essays from disabled people just, you know, talking about the experience and stuff like that. It's very interesting sounding. Yeah. And it's compiled and edited by a disability advocate. So that does sound really good. So yeah, I I didn't even know this award existed really, but I'm glad that it does. Yeah, it's not been around as long as like, you know, the Prince and Newberry, obviously, like the Newberry was celebrating 100 years this year, but um, it's a great, important one. And that's like what I really like about the ALA is they've really brought in a lot of awards that celebrate different, you know, identities and lots more diversity, which is really awesome. So yeah, I'm excited for these. So the next one that we're going to talk about real briefly is the Margaret A. Edwards Award for Lifetime Achievement. And this one is given to an author for Lifetime Achievement in Writing for Young Adults. And the 2022 winner is the amazing, incredible A.S. King, whose work I just love so much. So some of the books she's written include Please Ignore Vera Dietz, which was a Prince Honor back when it came out almost 10 years ago, I think. Um, and then her recent books, um, Switch and Dig. Um, Dig won the Prince Award a couple of years ago. She's an amazing author and total no-brainer for this award. Yeah. Let's see. Next up on my list, um, the Odyssey Award for Best Audiobook Production. So I love giving some audiobooks some shout-outs because audiobooks are totally like their own sort of works of art and format. That's so true. Yeah. And I was really excited because this year, um, the winner and the honor for YA went to two people who were actually like in my little debut author group. Yeah. So when you look like us by Pam Harris, um, one, the Odyssey for YA, it's a sort of contemporary mystery. And then The Honor is Perfectly Parveen by Olivia Abtahi, which I read on audio, is so good on audio. I talked about it, I know, a couple episodes ago because it is one of my favorite books of 2021. I love it. Yeah, audiobooks have become like just a necessary part of my reading experience now. Um, especially as someone who has ADHD, they're like very like vital to my whole, I feel like basically almost every book I read these days, I also listen to it on audiobook. So 
Um, there's yeah. a, there's so much that goes into it, and and sometimes it can make or break break a book for me. I think. Yeah, totally. Some of my favorite audiobooks. I didn't listen to these two books on audio, but the taking of Jake Livingston I thought was really good. That was one of my favorite YA audiobooks for the year. They're honestly, yeah. So I I'm definitely a huge supporter of audiobooks. I'm glad that they're they have their they have their own separate award. I love that. Yeah. I actually think that we need more sort of opportunities and honors for audiobooks because we do have the Odyssey Award. There are the Oddies, which I don't like love. And and that sounds terrible. Um, but like, you know, the Oddies are great. No, that's real. What would you say is your like kind of what do you think they could do better, I guess? Um, I think what they could do better in is the fact that like they limit each publisher um, to like nominating six books and you have to like pay a lot of money oh. to nominate the books. And that does sound um, bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm conflicted because I think when that you have the money factor and then you have like it has to be nominated by the publisher factor and then the like the extreme limit um i think what that means is sometimes the audiobooks that are you know flashier or you know written by like bigger authors sometimes get more of a focus Mm -hmm. um and traditionally like if you look at the audience past winners the winners and the finals have not been very diverse, so oh, wow. I have a little bit of an issue with that. Um, and that's like a whole separate sort of thing that I could talk about, but I won't right now. Um, yeah. So I and I don't know how like the Odyssey Award, like what sort of politics might be behind that, but um, I do know that like when you look like us and perfectly parveen, we're not like the giant splashy bestsellers of the year, but like they were so good, and like obviously they are doing very well, but. It was nice to see like them get this award because, yeah, people should not be overlooking them. So, yeah. but I do wish there was more opportunities to celebrate audiobooks. Um, and obviously, in the audiobook world, does have like their own sort of you know earphones and audiophile awards. Um, but I feel like those are less known by listeners and readers. So um, I'd like that the Odyssey Award sort of shines a light on you know audiobooks to a different audience. Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot and it, it it makes so much sense what you're saying, like having more awards and that award you mentioned that you had some very uh, reasonable critiques of. <laughs> um, it definitely sounds like it can fall victim to a lack of diversity based on the money and everything that has to be put behind the books that are being nominated. Um, and there's so much that goes into audiobooks um, that I yeah, I agree. I think there should definitely be some more categories and stuff like that for audiobooks and i think i I mean i if i had to make a prediction i would say that it probably would happen just because i feel like they're becoming more omnipresent i guess yeah it's like one of the fastest growing arms of publishing for sure right yeah i could definitely see that yeah so moving on from audiobooks um The next award that we're going to talk about is the Piero Belpre Award, um, which honors Latinx writers and illustrators whose children's and young adult books best portray, affirm, and celebrate um, the Latino experience. That is a direct quote from the award page. And this is named after the librarian, Piero Belpre. So I love it. They do um, awards and honors for picture book, middle grade, and YA. And this year's winner was How Moon Fuentes Fell in Love with the Universe by Raquel Vasquez um, Gilliland, which is awesome. I have not read that book, but I do have an arc of her next book actually sitting on my shelf, and mm. I was going to read it very soon. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then some honors, 1500 Miles from the Sun by Johnny Garzavia. Um, Somewhere Between Bitter and Sweet by Lake and Zaya Kemp, and Where I Belong by Masha Argeta Mickelson. So that all sounds great. And I, you know, these are all books that I haven't read, but I have had on my list or have, you know, been hearing lots of buzz about them. So love seeing them be honored in this way. Same. I was really excited to read Really excited, but still haven't gotten to just because of TBR, you know, 
TBR troubles, how Moon Fuentes fell in love with the universe. It seemed like a really, um, like, it's got, like, magic realism and romance and all that extra good stuff. And the cover is cute. Um, so I'm super excited to read that. So I'll need to bump that up on my list. Um, I remember somewhere between Bitter and Sweet was like a foodie um, yes. book. I think I covered that during one Hey episode. So I'll definitely have to check all of these out. Um, they sound very fun. Yeah, totally. Um, the next award is the Stonewall Book Award, which honors books that portray the LGBTQIA experience. And surprise, surprise, last night at the Telegraph Club <laughs> won that, um, which I'm... Yeah, not surprised. Very happy for. So that was really exciting. And then The Darkness Outside by Elliot Schriefer was the honor, which I have not read, but the cover is very striking. So I'll have to pick that up at some point. It is. It looks really nice. Um, and I love, too, how you had said during one of our previous um, Hey episodes about how um, you were just kind of giving a very brief um, history of like Melinda's low, Melinda Lowe's kind of just body of work since like 2009 or something like that. So I love that she is getting all of this good press and awards and just like sweeping, gathering the girls and getting all the things. <laughs> <laughs> she is. Yeah, it's really gratifying to see, especially because she was so groundbreaking when her books first came out. Yeah. And I felt like for many years, like her books just didn't get the praise and the attention that they deserved. And I'm subscribed to her reader newsletter. And in her last edition of her newsletter, she talked about, you know, last night winning all these ALA awards and being a National Book Award finalist. And and she said something to the effect of, like, I've always written to be seen, and now I feel truly seen. And I was just oh like, Oh, my God. Oh. Shivers. That gave me a shiver. <laughs> right? Okay, Melinda. I know. I'm so That's happy amazing. for her. <laughs> yeah, same. And um, in case all of you don't know, she has a new book, I think, coming out at the end of this year that is not a sequel, but a companion of a sorts to Last Night at the Telegraph Club. It's set in 2013. And there is a connection to Kath and Lily in the book. And I'm not quite sure what that connection is yet, but I can't wait to read it and find out. It sounds really fun. I have to read this book yesterday. So it was actually one of the ones I was planning to read over the winter break, but we know how that that went. (laughs) (laughs) I read all of like two books over the winter break, but yeah. I hear ya. All right. We're going to talk about some more awards, but first we're going to hear from another sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Holiday House. 21-year-old Max Monroe has it all, beauty, friends, and a glittering life filled with adventure. With tons of followers on Instagram, her picture-perfect existence seems imminently enviable. Except it's all fake. Max is 16-year-old Kat Sanchez, a quiet and sarcastic teenager, nothing glamorous in her existence. It's just a matter of time before Kat's entire world, real and fake, comes crashing down around her. The stress and challenges teens face on social media, navigating sexual identity slash coming out, managing complicated racial dynamics, dealing with family secrets, all of that and more in No Filter and Other Lies by Crystal Maldonado. Thanks again to our sponsor, Holiday House. So the next award is the William C. Morris Award, and that is awarded to debut books, so published by first-time authors writing for teens. And this is one of those ones that they do give you, like, the finalists, I think, in, like, December before they announce. And this one was really fun because I actually know some of these people. They were in my debut group. I was so pleased for them. So the winner of that was Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully. Again, not surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, we were joking and so much in the live stream chat that both Melinda and Angeline would not have much cover left by the time all of the stickers were applied right. to their books. Right. Um, so true. Which is awesome. But then the other finalists um, were books that you've probably heard us talk about before. Ace of Spades mm-hmm. by Farida Abike Imidi. 
Vampires, Hearts, and Other Dead Things by Margie Fuston. Um, Me, Moth, another shout out for that amazing book by Amber McBride. And then What Beauty There Is by Corey Anderson. So all a really great book of debut, a great bunch of debuts. Yeah, it's amazing. I feel like, um, speaking anecdotally here, like, I don't know, the debuts are just, there's so many good ones. I don't know what's in the water, what's (laughs) in the oranges, whatever. It's a hard choice, like you said before. It's a really hard choice, I think. Yeah, YA keeps leveling up. It's kind of amazing. (laughs) Honestly. Like, even faster, like, I would say proportionally than, like, adult fiction? No shade. No tea, no shade. (laughs) Um, In terms of, especially in terms of diversity and, like, quality and debut quality, all of that good stuff. So the next award... I don't want to make you say every one of them tears. <laughs> go, for like, it, let me, go for it. Let me help help you out. I don't want you to get cotton mouth or anything. So the Yalsa Award for Excellence in Nonfiction by Young Adults. The award winner was Ambushed, the Assassination Plot Against President Garfield. It was written by Gail Jero. So what did you think about that? Did you get a chance to read that one? I have not. I have not read that one, and like honestly, I don't know much about the assassination plot against President Garfield. So it seems like a book I should pick up. I had to. I had to look up. I was like, who's <laughs> <laughs> like what era? Oh wait, yeah. Like okay. Um, did you immediately realize who President Garfield was? I was like, who is that? When did that happen? I mean, I knew that President Garfield was, you know, somebody who was assassinated right. or, you know, shot. Okay. But I I was like, that was so long ago. I could not tell you what year. That that one was, you know, he's one of those presidents that, like, everybody knows about the assassination plot um, for Lincoln. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know about JFK, but, like, tends to get skipped over. Yeah. I totally forgot about this guy. I'm not even going to lie. Um, and apparently someone felt some type of way enough to want to assassinate him. So I would say yes. Good topic. Interesting. The other four books that were finalists were Blackbirds in the Sky, The Story and Legacy of the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre by Brandy Colbert. In the last extra credit episode, I was talking about um, YA books with activism, and I mentioned one by her. Oh, yeah. She's great. She's so good. Another finalist was From a Whisper to a Rallying Cry, The Killing of Vincent Chin, and The Trial That Galvanized the Asian American Movement, written by Paula Yu. And that sounds like another thing that I need to read about that I don't know much about. That was also a National Book Award nod. I can't remember. I don't think it was a finalist, Mm -hmm. but it was on the long list. Yeah. Whew. It's like, they just, you know, come out swinging. So (laughs) another one is In the Shadow of the Fallen Towers. The second, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, and years after the 9-11 attacks, illustrated, written and illustrated by Don Brown. And the last was The Woman All Spies Fear Codebreaker, Elizabeth Smith, Friedman and Her Hidden Life, written by Amy Butler Greenfield. And all of these sound super interesting. Yeah, I feel like, you know, Kelly obviously is a huge advocate for YA nonfiction, and I've learned a lot from her and really benefited from her shouting out a lot about nonfiction titles. And I know that in the past when I was working at the library and I would be responsible for content, you know, development and circulation. And I would often go to these awards lists for um, excellent nonfiction to get titles. um, Because if you have not picked up a YA nonfiction title since you were a teen yourself and, you know, you're now an adult, definitely go and, like, look at some of the books on these award lists because they're really great. They're on another level. Yeah. And I would say, too, like, I don't know if this counts as a cheat or something, but, like, for me, I know, like, for adult titles, I I don't read as much nonfiction as I would want to. I don't, I mean, you know, probably for various reasons. I feel like sometimes if, you know, if you want to learn about a topic like the assassination of President Garfield, for instance, I think, you know, as an adult, even reading the YA book on it can be a quicker read. So you can, you know, learn the stuff quicker and move on. And they're also really well written, you know, everything summarized really well. So I just think that's like a good option for people who don't want to, you know, check out an adult nonfiction that's like 500 pages or something. 
Exactly. Yeah, because these books, like, it's not just like, oh, only the highlights. Like, they do get into complex topics Mm -hmm. and subjects, but they they do tend to do it in a way that is a little bit more streamlined and not 600 um, pages, which I appreciate. And also, yeah, because sometimes it's like, I don't care to know the nitty gritty details of every, like, little tiny you know, subplot. And I also think that sometimes authors writing for a teen audience and having to like take so many complex historical events and facts and details and synthesize it into a narrative that is engaging for teens, like that takes an incredible amount of skill. Mm -hmm. So hats off to those people who do it. Yeah, seriously. And I like that you said that because I hadn't really thought of it in that way, but yeah, it definitely, it's an art, it's a skill. And if they can make it engaging for, you know, teenagers, I think you will definitely be engaged as well as an adult. But yeah, so Ooh, the next award yeah. is the American Indian Youth Literature Award. And these are announced on even years. So 2022, 2024, 2026 are the future ones. And And it is used to identify and honor the very best writing illustrations by and about American Indians and Alaskan Natives. So the winner of this year's award was Apple Skin to the Core, written by Eric Gansworth of Onondaga Tribe. And the one of the honors books was Alatsaway by Darcy Little Badger, Um, Firekeeper's Daughter. Shocking. By Angeline <laughs> Bully, Hunting by Stars by Cherie Demoline, Notable Native People, 50 Indigenous Leaders, Dreamers, and Change Makers from Past and Present by Adrian Keene. And that one was has a very pretty cover. I remember covering that for a newsletter. And Soldiers Unknown by Shag Lowry. Oh, I'll sound great. I mean, and Darcy Little Badger really did very well this year Mm. as well because It's a Snake Falls to Earth was a Newbery honor. I have the advanced reader's copy and I haven't read it yet, but I also thought that was a YA book. Yeah. Confused. So, Hmm. yeah. I was like, (laughs) um... These awards are great, but sometimes I'm like, do I just think that things are different age groups than they actually are. Yeah, is it me? Is it me? I no, I think um I think that has been promoted as YA, but I could be wrong. Oh. According to the book's metadata, it says for ages 12 to 18. So hmm. I do think it's interesting. Like not I mean, I do know that like there's a lot of younger readers and middle school readers who are devouring YA books. For sure. But I, like, yeah, I got some confusion from the Newberry and the Prince this year about the age levels of some of their books, um, which, again, they're all great yeah. books. I'm so happy to, that they win awards, but um, it does seem like we are getting a little bit hazy about age boundaries. Which is interesting, yeah, because it's like you would think, like, the ALA, no shade, kind of would, like, somewhat enforce those, like, kind of be one of the groups that kind of defines them in a way because they're you know american library association so it's interesting it's a little confusing i'm not complaining like you said but it is interesting of these mentioned i did read a lots away with a group read for book riots insiders and that was really good had a lot of great lip and apache folklore and stuff like that so i am excited to add these other ones to the tbr i've had a lots away on my bookshelf for well, basically, since I moved into my house five months ago, and I still haven't read it yet, but I want to. So yeah, just a quick little she like, so the main character, Elatsoe talks to ghosts. She's asexual. She helps solve her cousin's murder by she like summons the ghosts of animals. And there's a lot of great folklore from uh, Lippin Apaches of like the Texas now known as Texas area and other like mythology and folklore. So it's great fun. Loved it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. We got two more awards that we're going to go through quickly so we don't run out of time. Um, The Asian Pacific American Award for Literature is an award that promotes Asian Pacific American cultural and heritage. And it is administered by the Asian Pacific American Librarians Association, which is an affiliate of the ALA. Um, So they used to, like, not announce this award 
with the rest of the Youth Media Awards, but I don't know exactly when they started doing it all together, but I like that they do it all together so we can celebrate all the books. Um, and of course, the winner was Last Night at the Telegraph. Last Club. Night at the Yay! Telegraph. <laughs> <laughs> but the honor title was We Are Not Free by Tracy Chi. And I have a copy of that that I just picked up like a month and a half ago. And I'm really excited to read because I do want to talk about it on this podcast at some point. Yeah, we definitely should. And I need to, again, read that book yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do it when we finish recording today. Perfect. (laughs) So the last award we're going to talk about is the Sydney Taylor Book Award, which is presented annually to its outstanding books for children and teens that authentically portray the Jewish experience. The winner this year was The City Beautiful by Aiden Polydoros. Honors were The Last Words We Said by Leah Shire. Whistle, A New Gotham City Hero by E. Lockhart. The Summer of Lost Letters by Hannah Reynolds. Awesome. What did you think of? Have you read any of those? I have not read any of those, um, but The Summer of Lost Letters by Hannah Reynolds. Hannah was, again, another person in my debut group, so I was really excited to see her book get the shout out that it did. And I have not read a lot of the the DC comics, Mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, Whistle, New Gotham City Hero is a DC comic that E. Lockhart wrote. So yeah, I haven't read any of these, but they all look really good. Yeah. And I know that I put a hold on the last words we said at my library. So yeah. Yeah. So that was unfamiliar. The city beautiful. It like takes place in like the 1800s. The main character is a Jewish gay kid. It has like Jewish folklore, has like a dibbuk and stuff like that. I remember writing about it in the new release, but I just haven't read it. But it sounded really interesting. So just throwing that out there because it's like all the things I like, <laughs> like ghosts oh, and yeah. monsters and 1800s and, you know, the gay world of in 1800, <laughs> like New York City. Very interesting sounding. Yeah, that does sound amazing. Mm-hmm. So, whew. well, we hope that um, we've exploded your TBR <laughs> for this week's episode. Um, and definitely, if you don't follow the ALA Youth Media Awards, definitely worth following. There are lots and lots of fun. So, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. You can leave us feedback about the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to let us know how we're doing and help others find us. You can also email us at heyya at bookriot.com. As we've established at the top of the episode, we love reader mail. And finally, don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts, all things bookish, and a list of today's books that we mentioned. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping us make the show possible. And thanks to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I hang out at at Tears of Price. That's T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. And you can find me occasionally on Twitter at Erica underscore E-Z-E underscore. That's E-R-I-C-A underscore E-Z-E underscore. Awesome. Well, we will talk to you again in two weeks. Until then, happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs>